Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 275. Unfortunately, Stacy is having some internet connection issues in the motherland, so I will be going solo on this pod. If you uh, if you want to know what's going on with Stacy, he does still have access to the internet and can communicate on Twitter. So uh, feel free to, to tweet at him or DM him. Um, but before I get started... Just want to make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has an Instagram. Please give us a follow on there. That is at the Strick.land on Instagram. We are posting all types of new content on there on the daily. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may or may not be watching this podcast. If you are watching it on there, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. Furthermore, the Strickland is dropping new merchandise. That's right, folks. Sweat. Shirts, sweatpants, fleece shorts, you name it, we got it. Check it out, caps, t-shirts, it's all there. A lot of great stuff, and we've got more on the way, so keep your eye out for that. Finally, the Strickland has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to uh, Pod Strickland, this pod that I host every Friday. With Prez, you also get access to the Strickland Mailbag that comes out every week, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Doug Bag, alongside Dallas Amico. There are, sorry, you also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There is a $9 tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful weekly articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers there's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. This comes with a variety of additional benefits like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. Uh, so without further ado, uh, let's get started here. The Knicks obviously win a – it wasn't a wire-to-wire win, but it may, it, it may as well have been. Uh, the Knicks just pounded the Celtics early and – the closest I believe they got, uh, the Knicks were up 12 at the end of the first quarter. I believe the closest the Celtics got the rest of the way was eight um, or maybe nine, whatever it was. It, they, they never made it a single possession game or even close to it, really, or even a two possession game. Um, it, it was as dominant a victory uh, as you could have in most scenarios and against a team that good. And 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 furthermore, it's the most dominant victory you could possibly have on a night where Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, and R.J. Barrett combined to shoot 15 of 42 from the field. They only had a combined 50 points on those shots. Um, this was not a great, a particularly great offensive game for the trio. Uh, Randle definitely being the best of the bunch, but. And 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 even with that, the Knicks just beat the crap out of the Celtics. And yeah, I know Jalen Brown was out, but that's an impressive victory. Uh, the Celtics were not uh, eight and two or whatever they were nine and one, nine and two. They they were they had been excellent in games even without Jalen Brown this year, and he was their only primary um, 
absence. So this was, you know, not a healthy, not a fully healthy Boston Celtics team, but pretty close. And they've been very good in these situations anyway. Uh, and the Knicks just <laughs> they didn't care. They, they did not give them an inch. Um, they outscored them in both halves. They outscored them in three of the four quarters. The one quarter they did not score them in, they out, they they lost by one point. Um, this was a dominant game, and and you know, first like, look, Emmanuel quickly was awesome, and I will talk about him obviously because I love him. Uh, but I think special kudos needs to go first to Mitchell Robinson, who was just fucking awesome last night. Absolutely set the tone. Uh, just an incredible defensive performance from Mitch. You know, look, last year I was very critical of Mitch. Um, I, I didn't love how he, he clearly was struggling um, with weight at the start of the year. Even he was very up and down, uh, I, I thought anyway, defensively throughout the season. Uh, and just his focus waned at weird times. I, I was not his biggest fan last year. And I, I thought every time they played, when they played the Celtics and he went up against Robert Williams, Robert Williams ate his lunch. And yesterday, Mitch absolutely dominated him. And I, I don't think Robert Williams is moving particularly well right now. I don't watch the Celtics that often. Um, so maybe, I don't know if this is how it is all the time. But last night, he did. He was not moving that well. Um, and that's look, that that's not great for him or the Celtics, but that's not for us to worry about. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, though, I mean, he, he did what you're supposed to do. He dominated the matchup. And he was a force on both ends of the floor. And I do mean both ends. Like, I know he only had two offensive rebounds last night. But you could, like, his vertical presence last night was tremendous. Um, I thought he just made key plays throughout the game. And, and again, defensively, I mean, this guy yesterday was just incredible. I, I, I can't say enough. That first quarter from him was as dominant a defensive quarter as I've seen from him in a long time. Maybe ever. Um, he, he was that good. And I mean, he had that block on Tatum, which was just spectacular. Like, just honestly, a, a spectacular play. Um, you know, he he has that block. Uh, he, he's just he was great last night. I mean, there's really not much more I can say about it than that. He, he was so good. I thought his defensive rebounding last night was excellent. Like he he was just engaged the entire night. Uh, he was locked in, and I, I loved how he played yesterday. And I love how he's played since he came back. But yesterday was. Again, that's as good as a performance you're going to see from Mitch Robinson. Um, I thought Quentin Grimes, look, he only had five points on five shots, four assists, which was nice, one block. I thought he was, I thought he was really good yesterday. I really did. I thought he was really, really good yesterday. And I thought he set the tone early, um, you know, uh, with, with how physical and, and just how into it he was on Jason Tatum. You know, he, he, he put Jason Tatum in hell, and Josh Hart kept him there. That that's that's how it was. Like Quentin Grimes just absolutely set the tone. I loved his effort, his compete level um, for a guy that's he didn't take his shot in the first half. He didn't get a shot attempt, and he barely touched the ball in that half. And for him to play with the level of commitment and energy he is defensively, in spite of that, it it says everything about him. It's a credit to him. He was tremendous. He really was. Um, I, again, I, I know that the box score you're going to look at, it's not that great, but like, I, I don't think it does him justice. He was really, really good last night. And I thought, given the size advantage that Tatum has on him, he was not able to leverage it very much because I, I just thought Grimes' physicality 
from the start, set the tone, it put him off. I, I, I you saw Tatum last night settle. He settled for a ton of jumpers, and um, I think part of that had to do with how physical Grimes was with him, and then how physical Hart was with him when he'd come in the game. And I don't think he wanted any part of that. So um, I just wanted to shout out Grimes because I thought he played a really excellent game. Um, but I mean, the bench comes in, and you got quickly and Hart, and, and these guys are just. I mean, quickly has been excellent now for a long, long stretch. He's been great. Um, yesterday, you know, 23 points on 7 of 13 from the field, 4 of 7 from the field, three rebounds, two assists, a steal. Um, he he was a plus 15. He, he was great. Like, I, I just, I really don't even know what to say about it anymore. It's kind of like, it's repetitive, but he's just playing at such a high level. I loved how... Um, you know, I loved his start to the fourth quarter. That little mini turnaround he took—that's kind of becoming a pet pet move for him. And I love that he has that now. I think that's like that's an important shot for him, for any guard, shot creator type, um, to to have in their bag. And I just think it gives him another—it's another weapon he has. Um, but I love that for for him to start that fourth quarter. And there was such a palpable difference between the possessions he ran in the fourth quarter to start the fourth quarter versus the ones where RJ uh, was kind of tasked with the shot creation responsibility. And I don't really want to, uh, this, that's not, honestly, that's not even like a knock on RJ because like what we're seeing from quickly is just pretty spectacular. You know, he, he's 56.9 true shooting from the field. Now uh, 52.9 EFG, he's shooting 52.1% from two point range this year. I mean, that's that, that level of gro- that growth is, I it's ridiculous. Like he, so last year, okay, from two point range, as a rookie, forty point one from two point. Last year, forty four point eight. He's jumped so over seven percentage points from last year, fifty two point one percent from two. I mean, that's crazy. And and the three ball has now, I mean, he's only thirty five point eight for the year, but he's been shooting it at a nice, solid, consistent clip for a while now. Um, he's playing great. I, I think, you know, he got asked yesterday uh, after the game by Rebecca, he did, he had the post game uh, on the floor, and he got asked about sixth man of the year. And, you know, he, he downplayed it, which is probably the right thing to do. But, like, he, he's, he should absolutely be in that conversation. He needs to be in that conversation. He has been that fucking good this year. Um, and he's done it in all different roles, different, you know, when, whatever has been required of him, he has done it and he's done it well. Um, and this is a kid you, I can't say enough. I think when you're talking about like, you know, establishing culture and all this type of shit, like he's so crucial to that, the way he plays, the energy he plays with his unselfishness, his, his fight, his, his competitiveness on defense, like those are guys you keep and he he is to me established himself as somebody that isn't just a nice wow we found a nice little piece in the late first round he he's so much more than that he's so much more than that he is basically a sixth starter on the team and you could argue i would argue made their second or third best player overall over the course of the entire season all things considered so um he has been just excellent and i, I I'm just so happy to see him thriving um, and obviously bouncing back from a brutal start to the year, which is kind of becoming his thing now. Um, anyway, he was great last night. Um, 
I, I loved his his first bucket was, you know, Smart's complaining to the ref about something. He immediately cuts baseline off and inbounds, gets a nice little lefty layup. Uh, he has a nice little hezzy in transition right after that to get another bucket. He, he was just in control yesterday. And this is two games in a row now. He's played very well against the Celtics, which is always great to see as a Knicks fan. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he's he's been great. And then Hart, I mean, what can you say about this guy? There's 6-0 since he got here. The vibes were good, and now the vibes are immaculate. More immaculate than immaculate could be. Uh, he He's added so much to the team in such a short period of time. Um, he has solidified the bench. Like And, and look, Deuce... Deuce did what he needed to do for what was asked of him. You know, he's not, he's still a developing player. He's obviously got to work on, you know, hitting jump shots at the NBA level. But like the team, it's important to note this. And I, he deserves, the team improved once he got put into the rotation. Um, and he contributed to that, to the team. He, I, I know that he struggled for a long periods of time, but like he deserves credit. But obviously you're seeing with Josh Hart, what a significant upgrade that was and how much of an impact that has, because this guy has just come in and absolutely turbocharged this team. You know, you look at some of his defense yesterday was just fantastic. I mean, he had a, he had that strip on Tatum. That was just, he just plucked it from his arm, his hands. You know, that's that, that was a really special play. I thought, and you know, when he gets that ball in transition, he can just, he just can go all the way and he gets to the rim and he finishes and he's, he is just, you know, he, he's a, he's something else, man. He, he's really, again, just giving this team a shot in the arm because the way he is playing, his again, his physicality, his competitiveness, his fire, you know, his willingness to die for loose balls and get on the ground and just do anything that needs to be done to help win you games, win margins. Like he's doing all of it. Um, what what an addition! That's all I can say. Really, what an addition to the team. Um, I am so happy they made that trade, and I'm really happy that he's... Look, this. we'll see what happens. I'm fairly confident they will resign him this offseason. Um, but it would be... I, I'm happy for him that he finally, you know, maybe has found, like, a an actual home in the NBA because this is a guy that's bounced around now for a while, right? You know, Pelicans, and he gets traded to the Blazers there for a year, then he gets traded to the Knicks, so... Um, hopefully this is a little bit more of a permanent stay for him, but yeah, he, he's been great and I just love everything about him and I love how immediately he's gelled with the team. And, and I'll say this too, like what I actually, what I, another thing I really like is I think he is going to force RJ to compete defensively consistently. That was a problem. We know we've all talked about this for a long time that RJ this season, his defensive level had totally dropped. It had totally dropped. And he did not have a good game offensively yesterday uh, and and some really miserable moments, actually, too. But defensively, I mean, his three games since All-Star break have been legitimately good defensively. And that is way more important to me because that gives you a solid baseline. If he is good on defense, that gives you that gives him a solid baseline. And I can deal with the, the ups and downs offensively then. It's it's when you combine shitty offensive nights with zero effort defensive nights that it's a problem. But he was on it yesterday from the beginning. He had a nice little uh, possession early in the game where he uh, stonewalled Marcus Smart in the post. Uh, and then he also he had a really nice play to start the second half, uh, which I mentioned on the run down yesterday. But like he 
he, Horford had the ball kind of with his back of the basket around the elbow area, free throw line area. RJ was guarding Derek White at the top of the key. He helped off of Derek White to kind of swipe at the ball, which made Horford pick up his dribble and juggle it. And then Horford kicked it out to Derek White, and RJ recovered out to, to White um, without giving up a blow by. And he stayed in front of him, and Celtics had junk offensive possession. I don't, I don't know if they got a shot up, but they they did not score on the possession. But like that's the type of first and second efforts that we just had had not seen often enough from RJ this year. I mean, that's just one play, but he he was on it defensively. The whole team was on it defensively yesterday. Um, that has to be said. So that was as complete of a team victory um, as you're going to see, at least on the defensive end. And offensively, like, again, I think they just got enough. Like, Brunson didn't have his best game, but he gave you enough. Randall didn't have his best game, he gave you enough. And by the way, for me to say Randall didn't have his best game, the guy had 23 points on 16 shots. He had seven rebounds, four assists. Um, like, the bar for this guy is so high right now. And that's a credit to him. Like, that's that's because he is playing at such a level you just expect so much from him. But he, he, he was... Like, yesterday was not a great night. It was a good night. It was a good night for Randall, but it was not a great night. Um, but they just got enough from everybody, right? 10 points from 10 points, 13 rebounds from Mitchell Robinson. 10 points from R.J. Barrett. 5 from Grimes. 9 from Toppin. Toppin, by the way, nice little like, 12 minutes yesterday. I thought he played really well. thought his energy was good to see. Um, he got an he got a offensive rebound off a free throw miss, which was awesome. Um, and... I thought his defense was legitimately good yesterday. And, um, you know, like when he plays like that, it sucks that he's playing behind this version of Julius Randle because it's hard to bitch about Julius Randle not playing at 36 minutes. You would, I would have loved to see Obi get a little bit more time in, in both the second and fourth quarters when he came in. But, like, I'm not going to – I can't spend too much energy on that because, you know, Randle, again, is playing at such a good level. But, like, I really like what I saw from Obi yesterday. I'm very happy to see him get – a transition dunk um, from uh, off a of Josh Hart push, which was it was just nice to see that. Um, he had a big three. It felt like in the in the fourth quarter when things were getting a little tight, and uh, he he helped kind of give the Knicks a, a a little bit more separation. But again, he 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 played very well yesterday, and hopefully he can kind of find his footing and just get more consistent as the season goes on here. Because that would, I mean. Again, that's like this is where we're at with the Knicks. Where it's like, what are your biggest concerns? It's like RJ Barrett obviously finding his his way, which he seems to be slowly doing, at least on the defensive end. But the other one is like the twelve minutes Randall doesn't play when Obi does, and if Obi can play the way he has, I think in the last two three games, um, and, and do that consistently, that's going to be another big boost for the Knicks. Um, but yeah, I mean, like he he played well. Hartenstein did not have a good game at all yesterday. This is like it. I don't want to shit on him too much because he he's played very well in in a re, in the recent stretch, especially when Mitch was out. Uh, but he had he played sixteen minutes, zero points, one rebound, zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks, one turnover, and one abs like he just got absolutely stuffed at the rim by Marcus Smart. So uh, I don't know what was going on with him yesterday. He just did not have much juice, and uh, you know whatever the Knicks were able to overcome it anyway because they're a good team. Um, but yeah, and then you get obviously Josh Hart, twelve points quickly, twenty three points. That was just such a solid all around win, and uh, it was not, you know, this was not the Washington game where Julius has to go for forty six, right? It, it was, it was such a a great team effort again, and and I just can't say enough about how well this team is playing. Um, it, it's it's awesome, and um, 
Yeah, I mean, and I got to say this, like, I've been as critical of Tom Thibodeau as anybody, but the last month, month and a half, I don't know what's gone into him. I don't know if he's listening to somebody. I would suspect that maybe he is taking a little bit more input from Johnny Bryant, you know, some of the analytics staff or whatever, but, like, his rotations have been better. His end-of-game decision-making has been better, and I really appreciate his willingness to not, like, he does not feel obligated to play to finish with RJ Barrett or Quentin Grimes just because they're starters. And so I think that that has created a good, healthy competition um, with those four guys, quickly Hart, RJ Grimes to see who closes games. And right now <clears throat> you've got to say it like quickly and Hart are winning that winning out most of the time. And they deserve to, they've played better than, um, than RJ and Grimes have. Um, but, like, you need all of them. I, I think that's something that can't – I can't stress that enough. You need, like, those guys are going really well right now. There will be a stretch where they're not going so well. And that's when you're going to need RJ and you're going to need Grimes to step up. And I think they'll be able to. You know, again, like, I thought Grimes played a really good game yesterday. But quickly and Hart just were better. And so they closed the game. And they get more minutes, and that's that's really as simple as uh, that's how it should be, right? This I like we I shit on Tom Thibodeau last year for having sacred cows and and not being willing to to adapt and, and change, and that was a criticism I had of him at the start of this season too, where it felt like what the fuck, like we're doing, are we going to do the same thing again? Are really going to sit here and have Evan Fournier start an entire season just because you decided before the season he should be the starter? And to his credit, he is shifted gears. He has been willing to make changes. He has made significant changes this year, really significant ones, big calls. You know, he like, again, the rotation change since the rotation change on December 4th, when they play the Cavs, you know, um, I want to read off a few numbers. So that was when they sat. So they sat Derek Rose, Evan Fournier, Cameron, all those guys were out of the rotation at that point. Okay. Um, from that point on, and, and they put Grimes in the starting lineup and Deuce McBride was in the rotation, obviously, as I mentioned before, now he's been replaced by Josh Hart. Since that point in time, the Knicks are 26 and 14. That's a 53.3 win pace over 82 games. They are fourth in offensive rating, 118.1. They are eighth in defensive rating, 112.6. And I want to point, like, their defense will be better. It's it, that's too low for what their defense actually is because Mitch missed 14 games in that stretch. Okay, so they're eighth in defensive rating over that time, 112.6. Second in net rating, plus 5.5, only behind the Grizzlies who are at plus 5.8. Second in offensive rebound percentage, 32.9 percent. And this is the big one for me: seventh in defensive rebound percentage, 73 and a half percent. The the uptick since those rotation changes, which Tibbs made, and do I think that he did it on his own or that he had, I think he had input, but ultimately it's his call. You know, it can't be that he, he gets all the blame and all the responsibility for bad decisions. But when it's good decisions, he, he, you know, Oh, it's the, no, he, he ultimately had the final call and he made it and it was the right call and he's being rewarded for it. And, um, over the last month, month and a half, again, like, I think he, he's come along even more, um, and making more decisions that I, I'm quite frankly, pleasantly surprised by um i'm still a, a little 
I'm, I'm still, I still uh, have trepidation about how he'll operate in the playoffs, his rigidity with certain lineup looks and, and, you know, his unwillingness to play small and all these type of things. But like the, the way he's coaching right now gives you a much better chance in a playoff series against, you know, an opponent who's willing to be a little bit more flexible and, and generally, you know, can scheme stuff up. Uh, it gives you a much better chance than you had, you know, prior to this season. I'll say that much. And, um, you know, offensively, you know, the aesthetics aren't beautiful of how this team plays. They are not a particularly good shooting team. They don't run a bunch of beautiful flowing sets. Um, it's a lot of mismatch hunting, individual one-on-ones, you know, let guys cook. Um, and, you know, he talks about all the time, you know, get to the rim, make rim reads, spray out. But, like, there's not a lot of action off ball to help that it's it's up to the man with the ball in his hands um but but what this team does they offensive rebound at an elite level they do not turn the ball over if you do not turn the ball over and you have an elite offensive rebounding team mitch hartenstein sims randall even Toppin, and now hart like if you you're you're gaining you're winning the possession battle every game um and on top of that you do have a extremely talented and gifted one-on-one scorer in Jalen Brunson um like it's not pretty and and obviously Randall playing at a great level quickly whatever this is not I, I I don't have time to repeat praise of everybody but like it's not pretty it's not the again it's not beautiful there are much more fun offenses to watch, but it is effective. And um, I still have some, again, I, I do have concerns over how this plays out in a playoff setting, but as far as the regular season is concerned, they have found a formula, and Tibbs specifically has discovered a formula and, and leaned into it, and he's got the personnel now probably that, that can execute this type of vision better than he's had previously, at least in New York. Um, but you have to give them, you have to give them credit. You have to give the front office credit. You have to give tips credit. Like everybody is pulling their weight right now. That's what, that's probably the best way to put it. But this with this organization, everybody is pulling their weight right now, and um, you can't ask for anything more than that. Uh, NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet five dollars and win two hundred dollars in bonus bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back. Own the app now and sign up with code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And the vibes are great. And this team is, you know, I mean, you look at the way quickly, you know, quickly's interviewing Hart after the game in the locker room yesterday. Like, they're they're loving it and they're enjoying the grind itself. It, like, I I can't tell you like just the the way they're playing right now. There's so much joy in how they're playing. And as a fan, um, that's like. You know, last year was so miserable, especially during that three and seventeen stretch, because you were like, there was no joy. It was so soul sapping, 
And to see this team, like, they've had some brutal losses this year. You know, let's not forget that. That Dallas loss was absolutely brutal. They had that brutal Chicago loss before that. They had, they've got, they got beat down by Dallas at the Garden. They got beat down by OKC at the Garden. They, they have lost heartbreak. They've lost, they lost two heartbreakers to Memphis. They lost a heartbreaker to the Clippers just recently. Um, they've lost some games that are just, it's hard to, they've, they lost that game to Toronto in overtime at the Garden. You know, like, they've lost some brutal games. Um, that like that challenge you as a team um, to come back emotionally, physically, whatever. And they've every time you think that, okay, now they're done. Now they're done. You know, Oh, they had an eight game winning shape, but now they lost five in a row. Okay. This is the real, every time you think that they find a way, they, they find a way to string wins together and get back on, get back up on their feet. And um, that is a testament to the culture that's been built. Um, with the Knicks right now. And that, that's not just, you know, it's not just Tibbs. It's not just Randall. It's not just Leon Rose. It's, it's all of them have worked together to create this and, and to bounce back after the nightmare season. And this, like this thing, like it's not just Randall that had a nightmare season last year. I mean, he's the most obvious example, right? Um, but Tibbs had a horrible season last year, you know? Uh, like you look at, Leon Rose, like, I don't know how to necessarily say this, but, like, he, I, I think, I, who knows, because he won't talk to the media, oh, my God. Uh, but, like, I don't think he managed the roster particularly well last year or act- um, Like, I just think the fact that they were willing and, and, this is probably where Leon Rose deserves credit and Tibbs too. Um, look, the Cameronish trade last year, they took a shot on we need a wing, we need a big wing. Let's try to get this guy from Atlanta who's talented, but like obviously needs a lot of work. Tibbs did not particularly want him. Um, we know that, and you know, uh, like it didn't work out, but their pivot and they did pivot is like they ate the loss. That's what you have to do. Sometimes you just have to bite the bullet. You're not going to nail every decision. They, they bit the bullet, put him on the bench. And then since then they've traded him, but like, that's, that's what you have to do. And that, that I think helps establish culture. It helps move your team forward, progress your team forward because and I, I don't want to put this all on cam because I don't think it's just on cam, but like you look at the way that again, the, 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 level the team has been at since that that move, that specific decision, the bench cam, and obviously Rose and Fournier as well, and and go with the rotation they have, you know, the proof is in the pudding. They've been excellent since then. You know, again, 53.3 win pace since that point in the season. Um, and, and then you go out and you go get a Josh Hart when it would have been easy to just be like, yeah, you know, we're good. We're happy to just see where this team's at, but we don't want, like, we don't want to risk anything. I, I think that was a good trade for the Knicks. You know, Hart's probably going to stick around in New York for another three, four years. Uh, he's definitely going to get a new contract this offseason, I would assume. Um, but, like, he's making – like, this team was good enough that you need that – they deserve to have investment put into them. And the Hart trade absolutely did that. You You committed to this year's team, and you added a piece who, yeah, he helps you now, but he's probably going to help you the next few years too. So I'm fine with that. And you still have a first-round pick. By the way, 
Shout out Dallas, the Dallas Mavericks, who uh, still owe us their first round pick, top ten protected. But that pick is probably going to end up being better than ours. So, you know, again, like smart GMing, and that, that's a smart move. And 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 also like you know, Josh Hart is he's he fits into the culture. He fits into what was already happening before he got here, and he's added to it. And he's 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 put it. He's helped push us to a different level. So, uh, you know. Shit, like just really big kudos to everybody around the organization. Um, especially like, look, uh, part of my issue with their roster management coming into the season was like, I didn't like Derek Rose still being here. Cause I was like, Tibbs is going to keep playing it. And I didn't trust Tibbs to play, to start Grimes over Fournier. Right. Like these are things I just didn't, I was, I didn't trust him for. Vibes be weird. Um, after, the Donovan Mitchell saga in the offseason. And by the way, good job to the front office not making that move. Um, not that Donovan Mitchell isn't a really fucking awesome ball player, but like, you know, I think they're in a better position now than they would have been if they had made that trade. Um, they know more about their team, and I think they know a lot more. Um, I think they have a clearer idea of what they ultimately need to level up to that contender level um, when they do make that move. And I, I never liked the Brunson-Mitchell pairing. I thought defensively that would be a big problem. Offensively, obviously, it'd be dynamic, um, as we're seeing with you know Mitchell and Garland in Cleveland have been very good together. So um, that was never my concern, but the defensive stuff was definitely worrisome. And, you know, whatever. We'll see. Maybe, what, maybe I'll end up being wrong, and it wasn't the right move to not make that trade, but I, I do think it was the right move, and I appreciate them having a line in the sand and not budging from it. Uh, because my God, would it have been absolutely brutal not just give up the draft capital, but then to also see like Emmanuel quickly go ball out in Utah or something? I it would be sick. I would be sick watching that. Um, but uh, I got again that win yesterday was very satisfying. It is always satisfying to beat the shit out of the Celtics, and it's even more satisfying when after the game, Joe Mazzula and Jason Tatum are crying. Oh, the refs didn't give us calls. The refs didn't. shut up. You got your ass kicked last night. That's what happened. You got fucking curb stomped. Uh, you got your you you got your shit beat yesterday. Like you just absolutely got destroyed, physically, whatever. Um, and and you know you can sit there. Yeah, the free throw disparity. You guys fucking spam threes. What, what? Why would why would you get to the line as much as a team that literally? They're, like our half our our entire like offensive game plan is about beating the shit out of you inside. So why why would you get as many? Why wouldn't there be a free throw disparity? Um, you know, like it's just not really that surprising. You know, for the season, the sixth the the Celtics are twenty sixth in free throw rate. The Knicks are eighth. I'm sorry, it's not that surprising that that happened. And you know what? The last time the Knicks played the Celtics, they both shot nineteen of twenty three from three. And the Celtics shot well from three, and they made more threes than the Knicks, and they fucking lost. They lost, and it was in their building. So, like, you can make whatever fucking excuses you want. Jason Tatum, Joe Missoula, whatever. By the way, I didn't think Missoula coached a very particularly good game last night. Some of his rotations were just weird. I didn't understand what he was doing with his guards at various points. Whatever. I don't care. That's not my problem. Um, but, like, this, you know, yeah, did the Knicks get a good whistle last night? Yeah, they probably did. We've seen them win games and they don't get a good whistle. We've seen them beat the Celtics when they got an equal. 
I like. Hopefully, hopefully they keep crying. That would be great. Hopefully they keep crying, and hopefully when we play them again on Sunday, uh, we'll make them cry one more time. That would be great. Win the season series against the Celtics. Fuck the Celtics. Um, the Knicks are now two and one against the Celtics. They are one and two against Brooklyn, who they played against tomorrow. Um, they also are. Uh, what was I going to say? They they are one and three, unfortunately, against the. Uh, the disgusting Toronto Raptors, uh, and they're two and two against Philly. They have a shot here to go 500 in the division. It would require them beating Brooklyn and then beating Boston again, which will, you know, Brooklyn, I think they, they should take care of business against Brooklyn. Boston in Boston will be a tough ask. But if you told me before the season, they would be two games under 500 in the division or 500, I would have been like, I'll take that right now. Oh, yeah, I'll take that right now. I mean, that was a big concern for me coming into the season because this division to me is, I think it's the best division of basketball. I don't even, I'm not even sure it's that close. Um, obviously, the Brooklyn thing has changed. Their situation has changed, so that's a little bit different. But, like, you've got two contenders, right, between, um, between what do we call it, uh, uh, Boston, and um, Philadelphia, and then you've got you know the Knicks who are playing very very well. Brooklyn again very weird, but like yeah, this is the best division in basketball I think, and or at least it was to start the year. So if you told me that at the start of the year, hey, yeah, we're gonna get um, you know we're gonna get go five hundred or take two or just finish two games under, I would have been thrilled with that, um, and I suspect most people would have. So this team is just gotten exactly what you want. Um, they've, and they've improved everywhere on the margins, uh, which can't be stated enough. Like the, they're just fun. It's fun rooting for a good basketball team. I can't deny that. Um, and I'm enjoying every moment of it. Uh, speaking of good basketball teams, the New Orleans Pelicans are not a good basketball team. They lost last night to the, uh, to the Orlando magic, but Orlando magic, by the way, are playing really well. But they lost 101-93 to the Orlando Magic. And they are now... So in offensive rating, okay? Offensive rating... By the way, the Pelicans are now 30-32 on the season. It's a losing record. Uh, They are 20th in offensive rating, 113.7. They are top 10 still in defense, 112.9. They're just not a good basketball team. I mean, the Knicks absolutely pounded the living shit out of them over the weekend. And that game was never competitive. That team looked completely disinterested from the start. CJ McCollum looks terrible. I don't know if he's been like this all year, but he looks absolutely terrible. He he looks like he's lost. He was never the fastest guy, but he's look, he looks like he's even lost another step there. Um, I mean, I don't even know what to say. Like, Trey Murphy is fine, I guess. Like, Jose Alvarado is fun, but that team is a disaster. And Willie Green was a really fun story last year and how he helped turn things around after a miserable start to the season. But he's not doing a good job right now. Um, they look clueless against us. And it's it's crazy to see that. Herb Jones fucking sucks. I'm happy that he sucks. Not for, you know, not on like a personal level, but there was a lot of excessive crying over not 
drafting Herb Jones last year as if everybody knew Herb Jones is going to be some elite player, which he's not. Uh, for the year, he's shooting 28% from three. Um, the guy's not that good. He, he's he's actually one of the biggest problems for them offensively because he can't space the floor at all. And they need guys that can space the floor, and Willie Green won't play the guys that actually can do that. Like, Trey Murphy can shoot, but he doesn't get to start. So that's cool. And Najee Marshall is a better shooter than Herb Jones, but he comes off the bench. And now they're starting Josh Richardson over both them for God knows what reason. Um, he's doing a terrible job. And he actually, he, some of the things he's doing remind me a lot of what Tibbs was doing last year. So, um, you know, fuck them. They deserve it. Uh, David Griffin kick rocks. And I'm happy that we don't need to hear about how amazing the Pelicans are and how perfect everything is there. They still have plenty of assets and all that type of shit, but you know, it, ultimately, if Zion can't be healthy, they have problems. And at this point, there's no reason to believe that Zion can't stay healthy or trust him to. He just there's there's literally just no reason for it. Um, and I gotta say, like seeing him at the Garden over the weekend, he does. He looks like he's. I know he's hurt. And I forget what exactly injury he has, but like maybe it's hard for. But like he he looks like he's back at that ridiculous weight that he had lost coming into the season, which was yeah, it was always so much fun to watch at the start of this year. But like he looks like he's put on a lot of weight again, and you just can't have that. Like if if this guy is going to be their franchise player, he's got to get more serious. Um, and if he's not, he's just going to constantly have these issues. He's going to constantly have injury issues, and that sucks because. He's such an exciting talent, but like, who care if you can't stay on the floor? It doesn't fucking matter. Um, so, anyways, shout out to them. Um, shout out to uh, you know, shout shout out to everybody who told me last year that you know there's nothing Tom Thibodeau that could have done that could have been better. Actually, you know, I want to talk about this. I saw this. There's been this, now this recent pushback of like. Oh, ha ha ha! All these content creators wanted Tibbs fired, and now we're seeing, you know, why you don't fire him. But no, like Tibbs sucked shit last year. He was fucking terrible last year, and he sucked ass to start this year too. But guess what? He's gotten better. He's improved as a coach. His decisions have improved. The lineups he's playing has improved. His, the fact that he's just doing things like playing Emmanuel quickly more helps the Knicks win games. Who could have predicted that? Wow, who could have predicted that? You know, like, I'm sorry, but there, there's so much more nuance to that conversation. And ultimately, like, I can only speak for myself. I wanted Tom Thibodeau fired because he's doing a bad job. But if you if you told me, like, I don't want Tom Thibodeau fired just because he's Tom Thibodeau. I wanted Tom Thibodeau fired because he's doing a bad job. He's doing a much better job now. So I, I'm fine with him being here at the moment, at this moment. I still have some worries about him in the playoffs. We'll see how that bears out. But, like, he's doing a much better job now. He was not doing a good job. It's okay to criticize people when they're not doing a good job, and it's okay to, to point that out. That doesn't mean we have to agree on firing or not firing somebody, but this idea that, like, Tibbs, you know, of course he's turned it around and all these people who were criticizing him were wrong. No, we weren't fucking wrong. He did a terrible job last year. And the quickly thing last year was ridiculous. It was absurd. It, every, it, was, it was absurd in real time, and it's even more absurd now in hindsight given how well quickly closed last year and how well he's played this year. It was a joke. It was so stupid, and it was a self-inflicted wound. And it was a self-inflicted wound to not 
play Grimes more when he was available. When it, it was a self-inflicted wound to not play Julius play Julius Randle as much as he did last year and not give Obi Toppin more of a chance. And like that has reversed now because Randle's playing at a, such an elite level. But that doesn't make his decision last year right. It makes it actually, it, it looks even stupider to me because he's shown a willingness this year to bench RJ Barrett when he's playing poorly down the stretch of a game. So like he clearly does have the capacity to understand when even some of his preferred players are playing poorly. He just didn't do a good job of managing any of it last year. Um, and like this year, more things are coming up in his favor and he's also doing a better job. So like, yeah, credit, credit to him. But like, I'm not, I, I don't feel any type of, you know, I, I don't care. I, I, I'm not, I don't feel any remorse for how I felt about his performance as a coach last year. He was terrible. Absolutely terrible. Anybody that tells you otherwise doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. They really don't. Um, so, you know, it, it's and like I, I I just want to say it's like you had the local like the local beat, okay? Local local Knicks coverage. These guys were talking about quickly last year, like he's just some nice little bench guard. Oh yeah, he can he's a nice little scoring bench guard, it's a nice piece. Whatever. And and all the data was saying like no like this is why there's so many Knicks fans and content creators that were upset about this shit. Because it was so like it's like all the data was already screaming to you last year, play this guy more, play him over fucking Evan Fournier, play him over start him next to Brooks, over Brooks, whatever. It doesn't matter. Just play him more. And he wouldn't do it. You know, he didn't do it until the end of last year. And when he did it, all of a sudden it quickly went off, right? Like it was it was stupid then. It remains stupid now. It doesn't mean and and this idea that like oh oh the players are now developed. Give me a fucking break, dude. The players were fucking developed last year. Quickly was good last year. Is he better now? Yeah. That doesn't mean he wasn't fucking ready to play over Alec fucking Burks at point guard or play him or start him over Evan fucking Fournier. You know and and last year we all heard a lot. Well, Evan Fournier got signed for this money. How can you bench him? That's not on Tibbs. That's the front office. Okay, well he's still on the same money, but now he can bench him. Okay, so all, clearly all this stuff was within his grasp last year. He had the power to do it. He chose not to. That's on him, and he chose similarly to start this year, and that's on him too. But he's come around. He's made the right decisions, and now the team is playing at a high level, and he gets credit for that, just like all the players get credit for it, just like Leon Rose gets credit for it. But don't fucking try and tell me that he, you know, he was beyond reproach, and and it was ridiculous to have conversations about um, his employment as head coach in the New York Knicks. It, it was not. It never was. And you know, like the team has so much talent right now that there are other issues with him as a coach that will have to be judged on. That he'll have to be judged on, and it's. You know, maybe that won't come up into the playoffs, and maybe even if it does, you're not comfortable moving on from him. And I, that's at least a lot more reasonable given the overall state of things right now. Um, but that's a separate conversation, you know. Um, yeah, I, I just, you know, whatever. The tips thing is just stupid. If you love him, that's cool. I don't really understand why like anybody has an insane loyalty to this coach. Um, he's fine. He's good right now. I still don't think he's the guy to take us to the next level. We'll see. Um, hopefully I'm wrong. I Again, I would love if Tibbs proves me wrong and he's actually a championship winning coach and he does that in New York. Why would I be upset about that? That's great. I'd rather be wrong than fucking be right that he's a problem. Like, 
why, why would I want that? Um, I want the Knicks to be good. I don't want my fucking takes to be right at that at that expense or something. Like that's just stupid. So yeah, hopefully I am wrong. We'll see. Um, but yeah, again, this team is very good. And I gotta say, man, they're if RJ Bear just gets his fucking shit together on offense, the sky is the limit. This team could be something like very, very special. Maybe, maybe even an Eastern Conference Finals run type of thing. Um, who knows? This team is very good. Aside from Milwaukee, I don't like. I think Boston's better than us. I think Philly is better than us. I don't. I don't feel like we have no shot in a playoff series against either of those teams. I love our matchup against Cleveland if we if we get that matchup. I think that would be a really good matchup for us, personnel-wise. Because Cleveland just doesn't have the capacity to go... You know, they, they don't have the capacity to challenge Tibbs in the way that you can sometimes challenge Tibbs and gain an edge on him. They can't go five out. They don't have a lot of depth. They can't throw a lot of weird, quirky lineups out there. Um, I like that matchup for us. And they don't have great size on the wing. Their wings aren't good. That's that's huge. Um, I I love I like that matchup for us. That would be a really good one. Um, what happened? Milwaukee's just the one team. Milwaukee's the one team. I don't think we got a shot. I really don't. I just think they're better than us. I know we played them tight the last few times we played them, but I think they just Giannis is Giannis, and we have. I mean, nobody does, but we don't have an answer for him. Although I will say Julius did a great job in him last time we played. Um, but I just don't think that's a good matchup for us, especially now they have Middleton coming back. He's starting to round into form. Um, their bench looks a lot better now. Their depth looks a lot better now with Crowder's addition and Ingles coming back into form. That's just not a great matchup. But like aside from that in the East, I'm not. I, I'm. I don't know. If, I I don't know where I ultimately rank the Knicks among the Eastern Conference teams. But I don't fear any of them or think the Knicks have no shot against any of them other than Milwaukee. Um, and. Again, this team is, you look at this team, the reason this feels so much better to me than even 2020, 2021, um, when they, you know, the we here, the we here season, like, look at the team, you know, it's 26-year-old Jalen Brunson, 22-year-old RJ Barrett, 22-year-old Quentin Grimes, 28-year-old Julius Randle, oldest guy in the rotation, 24-year-old Mitchell Robinson, that's your starting lineup. Your bench is 23-year-old Emmanuel Quickly. 25-year-old Obi Toppin, 27-year-old Josh Hart, and 24-year-old Hartenstein. And then you've got 22-year-old Deuce McBride and 24-year-old Jericho Sims as situational players off the bench. Like, this is exactly what a foundation is supposed to be. This is what a sustainable foundation is supposed to be. Um, It's not just good vibes and a fun season, right? It's, no, these guys are really good now. What can they develop into, like, long-term, you know? Um, Like, Emmanuel quickly is not at the end of his development. RJ Barrett's not at the end of his development, although I know sometimes, some nights, it it feels like it. Uh, Quentin Grimes, I think, is going to make another... I think he'll make a significant step up uh, between this season and next season. That's my my belief. Um, I think Obi can get better. We'll see if he's here long-term or not. Uh, but like all these guys can basically still get better. They're not like there are two guys that are in the prime of their careers in terms of Hart and Randall. Brunson's just about getting into his prime, and other than that, everybody is still got a little ways to go to enter their prime years. This is a really good situation. They have all their draft capital after this year. 
Um, obviously, they traded the a lottery protected pick, the twenty twenty three one for Josh Hart, but that extinguishes like that. They'll either convey that this year, or if they don't because they just fall off a cliff, uh, they'll keep that pick. But like they're in position now to make that type like that Donovan Mitchell trade. If that's on the table now, maybe I maybe be, I'd be a little more comfortable pulling the trigger on that type of move. Um, but you know, they they weren't in that position last year. And here's the fun thing. When you win a lot of games and you win it the way the Knicks are doing, this is naturally going to elevate the value of your own players. And that was a big problem for them in those Mitchell trade talks because they were valuing guys like RJ and Quickly at a level that Cleveland just wasn't. And especially in Quickly's case, um, look, I, I again, I don't want to trade him. I think he's actually like very invaluable because of his flexibility. Um, but like now the, like his value in trade is probably what you wanted it to be then, or even more so if you, especially if he closes the year, the way he is, if he wins fucking six man of the year, man, he's playing again, he's just playing great. Um, but like it changes a lot of things for the, the organization and the front office. So we'll see how it all goes. Um, all right. I've talked for as long as I could possibly talk by myself. Uh, I hope everybody has a little great week. I hope the Knicks beat the uh, Brooklyn Nets and extend this winning streak to seven in a row. That would be fantastic. Uh, I have nothing to plug, so I'm just going to plug all the work at the Strickland. Uh, everybody's doing great work. Uh, a lot of good articles recently. Great podcasts. Uh, shout out to Sam and Tyrese and Jeff for holding it down on the rundown every game after every every game. Um, but yeah, it, it again. This is this is the best time it's been to be a Knicks fan since. 2000 i think i know the 2012 2013 year was really fun but again look at the age of that team it was not a sustainable foundation they they just didn't have any young talent to, to push them any forward they didn't have many avenues to improve the team given how much they traded to assemble that team so i just think this is like the best situation the knicks have had in forever and it really does feel like um they've figured some shit out after taking a step back last year and having some shit blow up in their face they have gradually addressed those needs and they are bearing fruit right now and it's just fun as hell to watch as a fan so uh all right that's our pod for today i hope everybody has a great week and i'll see you on friday